Good morning, Grace Vineyard, and all who are watching this on our YouTube channel or listening to it on the podcast. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. I trust that you are having a wonderful morning and that you get to see or chat to your children and loved ones at some point during the day. Last week, I did part one of a three-part mini-series called The Roadmap to Salvation, looking at the signposts along the journey Jesus took as he heads to Jerusalem and his crucifixion. Last week, reading in Mark's Gospel, we saw Jesus and the disciples leave Galilee, skirt around Samaria, cross the Jordan River into Judea. We saw how the disciples tried to keep the little children away from Jesus, and saw the first, first signpost in what Jesus had to say about us being childlike in our trust, belief and faith in order to enter the kingdom of God. The second signpost was seen in the encounter Jesus had with the righteous, rich young man, who asked him what he must do to inherit eternal life and how the young man struggled with the reply Jesus gave him. Jesus wanted total surrender from him. And so he told him to sell up everything and give to the poor. But he found it impossible to do this and follow Jesus. Today I'm going to look at the next part of Jesus' journey. But I'm going to be reading the account from the Gospel of Matthew instead of Mark. Which should become apparent why when we read the second portion of scripture today. The first portion of scripture is Matthew chapter 20 verses 17 to 19. Now as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and said to them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. This is the second time that it is recorded in Scripture that Jesus says to the twelve disciples that are closest to him that he is going to be betrayed, condemned and handed over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged and crucified. The first time was just after Peter had declared that Jesus was the Christ. Matthew 16, 20 to 26, we read, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for the man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? The twelve disciples had given up everything to follow Jesus. As we saw Peter declare last week, 
They had surrendered all to be with him, and even at this late stage in their time with Jesus, had still not fully grasped why Jesus was on earth and why he had to die. The disciples were obviously enjoying their transient lifestyle, traveling around the countryside alongside Jesus. They lacked for nothing. Every need was miraculously provided for, and they didn't want that to end. Have you ever experienced a time in your life where life was just so good that you didn't want anything to change? Jesus knew his mission was to get to Jerusalem, to be sentenced to die upon the cross for my sin and yours. In fact, for the sins of every human being that has ever lived, is currently alive and will ever live. We are all born sinners and need to receive the forgiveness that only Jesus Christ can offer. How do we receive this forgiveness for our sins? We have to lose our life by surrendering it to Jesus. Daily taking up our cross, the call and the mission that Jesus has given each one of us, and daily walk the road that God has set before us. We must lose in order to gain. We must lay down in order to take up. We must give away in order to receive. We must surrender in order to conquer. This is the upside down way of the kingdom of God. We lose our sinful life to gain our eternal life in Jesus Christ. We lay down our old life and take up the new life in Jesus Christ. We give away our life of sin in order to receive a life of holiness in Jesus Christ. We surrender our life to Jesus Christ to conquer and gain victory over the prince of darkness, the evil one, Satan. This is the third signpost we see along the road map to salvation. We see the fourth and fifth signposts in the next portion of scripture. Matthew chapter 20 verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or to my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The reason I chose Matthew's Gospel and not Mark's for reading this portion of Scripture is that Matthew mentions something that is not found in Mark's Gospel. The mention of the mother. As it is Mother's Day today, I wanted to include her in the story.
Here we see a mother coming to Jesus with a very special request. One that only a concerned mother would ask. A mother who wanted the best for her sons. This is not an unreasonable request for her to make. She obviously loves her boys very much and wants the best for them, just like any mother wants for her children. She wants to secure important positions for her sons, not fully understanding what she's asking. But then neither did James and John understand the implications of what she was asking for and what they agreed to accept from Jesus. James and John were fishermen when they met Jesus, just like their father was, and I feel safe to assume their grandfather and great-grandfather were also fishermen. And if they had not encountered Jesus and followed him, their children, grandchildren and great-grandchildren would also have been fishermen. Not a high-ranking position in Hebrew society, and not always assured of having an income, as we see a number of times when some of the other fishermen among the disciples were out fishing without any results until Jesus intervened. Again, I feel safe to assume that James and John had shared stories with their parents of their time and their experiences with Jesus. And there's also the possibility that the parents themselves could well have heard Jesus speak. So along comes their mother to Jesus, trying to arrange important positions for her boys in the kingdom that Jesus has been talking about. Yet not understanding what that kingdom that Jesus is speaking about is really like. The kingdom of God is the upside down kingdom. Where if we read the verse that proceeds where we started reading today, we see this. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 16. So the last will be first and the first will be last. Nowhere else does this make sense except in the kingdom of God. It is unlike any kingdom that the world has seen and will ever see until Jesus returns and establishes, establishes it here on earth. But that is a message for another time. Getting back to our portion of scripture, a loving, caring mother approaches Jesus with a special request for her sons, looking to secure the best possible future for her sons in the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. Jesus, as he always does, listens to her. He doesn't dismiss her or say it is a foolish request. Rather, he turns and addresses her and her sons and asks the young men an important question. One that we all need to ask ourselves too. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? This is the cup of redemption in the Passover meal. The one that we celebrated last week when we took communion together. It is the cup that Jesus offers to his disciples at the Last Supper and tells them to drink from. Matthew 26, 27 verses 27 and 28. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. It is the cup that Jesus asks his father to take from him in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he faces his imminent death on the cross. 
We read about in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. The cup of redemption is the cup of sacrifice and suffering. Can we reply in the affirmative like James and John did when Jesus asked the question? We can, they answered. Will that be your answer too? Jesus offers us eternal life, but he never promised us a life of eternal comfort. Rather, he calls each and every one of us to live sacrificial lives and expect trouble. John 16 verse 33 says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It is only when we are in Christ that we can have peace in times of trouble. The world cannot offer us the peace that Jesus does, but there is a price to pay. Jesus paid the ultimate price for me and you by dying on the cross. Are we willing to live sacrificial lives so that we can reach out to those around us who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior? The fourth signpost on the roadway to salvation is living a sacrificial life. Living to make it possible for others to come and drink from the cup of redemption too. The fifth signpost along this road is seen in the last five verses of the portion of scripture we read at the beginning. Let's read them again to refresh our memories. Matthew chapter 20 verses 24 to 28. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Understandably, the other ten disciples were, were indignant and upset with James and John. Was it the audacity of their mother to ask that her sons could have the two most important seats alongside Jesus in the coming kingdom he was proclaiming and which they expected to manifest imminently that upset them? Were they jealous because they were hoping for those positions? It doesn't matter as to why they were upset because Jesus, as only he can do, turns this trouble into a teaching opportunity, showing the disciples the way things are going to work in the coming kingdom of God. He has already told them that the last will be first and the first will be last. Now he tells them how leadership is going to be in the kingdom he is proclaiming. The fifth signpost is servant leadership. Jesus explains that in the kingdom of God, leadership is different from the leadership in the world. It is not about getting to the top, about having a place of prominence and importance, about being looked up to and revered like what happens in the world. There is no hierarchy in this new kingdom. 
It's not about striving, pushing, shoving and fighting your way to the top to be above others and lord it over them. It is about laying down your life for the sake of others. It is about serving others. It is about thinking of others before thinking about yourself. It is about looking to be a blessing rather than looking to be blessed. Looking to serve rather than looking to be served. In the kingdom of God, leaders do not stand above others and expect them to go and do the work, but rather leaders lead the way by being in the front, setting the example and showing and teaching others what and how to do what needs to be done. Leadership is about being the tip of an arrowhead. It is the tip of the arrowhead that makes the first contact with the target when it is fired from the bow. But without the shaft and the flights, an arrow is useless. Every part of the arrow is important. But it needs a person or people at the tip to make first contact and begin the breakthrough. A leader without anyone following is not a leader, but a lone ranger. And they can be very dangerous. Again, a talk for another time. Jesus does not just talk the talk. Go and serve and lay down your life for others. He walks the walk. He does just that. Which is what we are building up to as we head towards Easter. A leader is one who is out front to open and make safe the way for others to follow. In African culture, it is the man who will always walk through a doorway first. Whereas in Western culture, the man will let the lady go through the doorway first. Why does the African man behave in this way? It all goes back to living in the rural wilds of Africa where humans and dangerous wildlife coexist. The man would go out of the door first to see that there, there were no wild and dangerous animals around and that it was safe for the women and children to come outside. The man would put his life at risk for the sake of others. It is, be, it is about being a leader and protecting those that you are entrusted to lead. Servant leadership is the fifth signpost that we see on this roadmap to salvation. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that reminds us how much you love us, that you care for us, that you believe in us, that you've chosen us, you've called us, and you've set us on a mission. And it's not important as to where we are in that, in, with regards to the arrow. Are we the tip or are we the tail feather? Whatever it is that you've called us to, Father, help us to do that to the best of our ability. To serve others. To be willing to lay down our lives for others. To give up our time for those that do not know you. That we can make a difference in their lives and draw them into your presence. You've called us to go and make disciples. And we say thank you for that. Now help us, Holy Spirit. Help us to be those that will go and make disciples. Let us not hold back. Let us trust you and say thank you for that which you've given to us. To enable us to go and make disciples. Bless us now, Father. 
Bless us, Holy Spirit, with more of your power and your wisdom so we can reach out to those who do not know you. We want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see your people living on earth come into your kingdom of heaven now here on earth and be part of what you're doing on the earth. So thank you, Father, for that. Pour your presence out upon us. Pour your blessings out upon us so that we can go and be blessings to others. Thank you, Jesus, that you've commissioned each and every one of us to go and make disciples. And I pray that you would lead us and guide us and direct us so that we can go and do that. I ask this all in your wonderful and precious name, Jesus. Amen.